ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with another episode here in The Truth. Back with my boy, AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing good. We got week one in the books. Week two's coming up. Uh, I mean, NBA's on its way. Uh, Baseball is coming right into playoffs time. It's the perfect time for, one, us, our pat podcasting, but two, also just in general, if you're a sports fan of all those sports. Yeah, you bring up some good points. This is always like the weirdest time of, of sports years because we have Major League Baseball in the final weeks of the season. We have the NBA starting very soon with, you know, the training camp, preseason, all that stuff. And then you got the NFL season kicking away, too. So if you're a sports fan, it's a time to be alive. I don't really know. I mean, there's probably some moments where, I mean, kind of sports overlap like this. Baseball starts in April. Obviously, the NFL season is done by then. So I don't think that really as much unless you're, you know, around this time of the year. So it's an exciting time for, all, for, for sports fans all over the world, for that matter. And today we're going to continue with that NFL talk because we're going to go over our Week 2 Fantasy Football slash NFL preview. Hopefully you guys did watch the Thursday night show and you guys saw that the Minnesota Vikings did lose the Philadelphia Eagles. We recapped that game on Thursday night special. So if you guys want to see our analysis on that, feel free to go ahead over there. If you guys want to hear us recap that, stay tuned for next week. We'll recap that there. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get you guys up and going for Sunday and Monday in the NFL. If you guys have those last minute fantasy adjustments you need to make, maybe you started off 0-1 last week and you're trying to find a way to get your team back in order. We're here to help you with that today. So I was originally going to recap scores from week one in the NFL, but I think we're just going to kind of combine that with the NFL pick AJ did a really good job of going over some specific stats for basically all the games uh, in the NFL pick So we're going to do that probably for the NFL pick So we're going to skip that part. We'll jump into the NFL portion of the podcast, where we're going to go over our three takeaways from last week. It can really be any takeaways. Some are broad, some are shortened. Then we'll go over our game of the week, two other games to look out for, our lock of the week, upset of the week, and then we'll shift over to fantasy, where we'll go over our two must-starts, two must-sits, two sleepers, and two busts for the upcoming week for fantasy purposes. So without further ado, AJ, why don't you go ahead and give me your three takeaways from week one in the NFL. So my first one is Brock Purdy, the real deal. I mean, he backed it up this past week against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is not just one of those weaker defenses. As a whole, they're really good. I know Christian McCaffrey he had a good game there, 152 rushing yards. They found Ayuk, I believe, two times there, 129 yards. He spread the ball around. McCaffrey also... Uh, had good amount of receiving yards. I mean, against a better Pittsburgh defense, Brock pretty showed out. He played really well, proving the doubters wrong. I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a doubter, but I wouldn't say I was gonna. I really expected that from this this past week from Brock Purdy. My second one is uh, Jordan Love, the heir to the throne. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, Rodgers went down, but Jordan Love looked great in that last game. Uh, granted, did he go against the Bears? Yeah, but and the Bears defense isn't as what as good as it used to be, but he got a lead early and he went with it. I think three touchdowns, three passing touchdowns. He's the only quarterback also this week to have three passing touchdowns, uh, 245 yards, uh, just as a whole. I mean, he took over. I mean, he, he's what every uh, Packers fan were hoping that they were going to get out of him. Uh, they definitely saw the high, the high inside of what Jordan Love can do this week. Uh, yeah, the passing yards weren't way up, but also towards the end of the game, they didn't need to pass because they had such a big lead early on. And my last one is, will Zach uh, Wilson really take over for Rodgers? I mean, you beat the uh, Bills at, when you lost Aaron Rodgers. He was in the game for 75 seconds before he tore his Achilles. 
Zach Wilson came in early in the game. It wasn't like he came in in the third quarter after an injury. He start, He basically played the entire game, especially coming off the bench expecting to be sitting the entire year. Uh, maybe you gain some times that like end of blowout games type thing. But at this point, Zach Wilson, he went out there. Yeah, he was a game manager. He did have a pick. I believe only one touchdown. But as a whole, he uh, kept up with Josh Allen. Now, did Josh Allen have his best game? No. He had three receptions to the same guy. Uh, and they won an OT with that uh, punt return, I believe it was, uh, for a touchdown. But even then, a win's a win and th- at the end of the day. And I thought those are hard to come by, especially with the team uh, losing your number one quarterback who you expected to be there all year. Yeah, so my first takeaway, it actually relates to Thursday night football, but it's just the Chiefs wide receivers and the Chiefs roster as a whole. Look, that Thursday night game, we obviously talked about it in Thursday night special, so I'm not going to go into too much depth, but it's something that really stuck out to me. It showed that they desperately need Travis Kelsey, and he is expected to play. I did see a reporter that he is expected to play. They also signed Chris Jones to his one-year extension, so he's going to be on the field too. I guess my takeaway from last week is worst-case scenario with having Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey out the Chiefs looked terrible. I mean, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, they're two probably, or I guess for me, the two receivers that I was expected to have a lot of success, had a combined one reception for one yard. That's just not going to cut it with Patrick Mahomes. And that offense definitely stalemated. And the defense, I think, is going to improve with Chris. Uh, well, I know it's obviously going to improve with Chris Jones, but it's going to be more of an impact than people think because he was definitely the catalyst there. And if Chris Jones is in that lineup, I think the Chiefs win that game. So my first takeaway there was just the Chiefs wide receiver play, how piss poor it was. And I guess moving forward, we're really going to have to do because they have to get those wide receivers involved. Even with a healthy Travis Kelsey, you can't throw the ball to him 20 times a game. It just doesn't work like that. Second, I'm sticking with what you said, kind of like 49ers with Brock. Look, I was one of the biggest Brock haters going into this season. It's not that I, well, maybe it's partially that I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. I'll admit that. But Brock Purdy, for me, I just thought it was one of those things where he was just in a good situation. He had Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, a tremendous defense, Trent Williams, tremendous offensive line. You could put any quarterback there for the most part and have success. And that was one of the reasons why I was skeptical going into this season and even week one. But I was watching that 49ers game versus the Steelers, and Brock Purdy took complete command of that offense. Yeah, maybe he's not the flashiest quarterbacks. Maybe he's not the guy that has the, you know, the strongest arm and the fastest legs, but he just gets it done. And I kind of can start to believe why Kyle Shanahan was so um, coned in on Brock Purdy and what he's able to do. One of the things that I think separated Trey Lance from Brock Purdy was Trey Lance's ability to throw the ball accurately. Brock Purdy is a much better accurate passer in that regard. No, he's not the faster of the quarterbacks, and speed isn't always everything, but he was more consistent. He doesn't need to be the fastest quarterback in football. He just needs to be the best overall quarterback for the 49ers, and that's something that I took away extremely going into this week, and it really showcased for me what Brock Purdy is going to be able to do for this 49ers team. Now, again, it's week one. Can we jump the gun and say that Brock Purdy is going to be the next big thing? No. Can he be? Yes. I mean, he could thrive in this environment, and it's kind of a good story, you know, as much as I don't like Iowa State and whatever, for him to be the last pick and lead the 49ers team team, the 49ers team like he did. He almost seems like the perfect quarterback right now. And we'll see. Again, it's early. It's week one. You know, I don't like jumping the gun, especially with, you know, how the, the season started. But these are the reasons why we have these week one takeaways. Maybe the week three takeaway for me is, wow, the 49ers can't play with Brock Purdy. You know, it's, it might change like that. But for now, Brock Purdy looks like the absolute real deal for the 49ers. And speaking of that, I'm going to talk more about it later, but Ayuk, his performance as well, this 49ers offense is scary. 
And then finally, I put the Packers' performance. They beat the Bears 38-20. to And I kind of put this as my third takeaway for one of the reasons, like, yeah, it's the Bears' defense. The Bears' defense has been terrible. It used to be the best defense or one of the best defenses on the football. But it was terrible. And I think for me personally, I had said this game was going to be a low-scoring game. It was not the case. I mean, the Packers' offense just shined through. Jordan Love absolutely shined through. Do I think it's way too early to compare him to being either the throne to Aaron Rodgers or being you know, the, the quarterback that's going to change the Packers franchise, whatever? I think it's way too early to jump on the ground on that. A week one performance against the Bears is completely different than a week one performance against the 49ers, and respectively so. That's just how it works. So for me, I'm not jumping the gun on the Jordan Love train yet. But the way that the offense flowed smoothly with guys like A.J. Dillon, they didn't even have Christian Watson last week. And you know, Luke Musgrave got involved. I mean, this Packers team looked really good to start, but we'll see how long they can carry that for and if they're going to just, you know, fall down. Not fall down. Fall down is not the right word, but they're going to kind of just lay low and not have success. It'd be really interesting to see. All right, enough of week one. Let's go ahead and start previewing week two. Go ahead and give me your game of the week this week. So for my game of the week, I have the Ravens and Bengals. Ravens won. Bengals obviously lost in a pretty bad game as a whole. I know there's weather, but there's weather for both teams. The Ravens had a, I would say, I would say unconvincing, but on the more on the unconvincing side than convincing win against uh, the Texans. I mean, they all they won twenty five nine. So I mean, again, a win's a win. But it's one of those things that Lamar didn't have a single touchdown to his name. There's three rushing touchdowns a game. He didn't have one. He didn't throw for one. C.J. Stroud threw for more yards than he did. Uh, as a whole, and also they just lost uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins. I believe he tore his ACL or Achilles, one of those things. He got injured again, so now he's out for the year. And they need a convincing win, especially an interdivisional win, Uh, and Bengals need to bounce back here. Uh, I mean, it was a horrible game against the Browns. Uh, Jamar had, like, two catches for 39 yards. Joe Burrow only had, like, 86 yards uh passing on the day he was like 11 for 33 just not a good day at all like they couldn't get the ball moving in any way the running game wasn't the worst Joe Mixon didn't have a bad game but he also didn't have a good game uh he if you have a fantasy you're probably pretty disappointed but on the other hand he did get you I believe some PPR points as well if you're in PPR league if not kind of got screwed over this week in that game but again another interdivisional game there it's going to be one of those ones that uh, Baltimore is going to need to show that their offense can do more than what they did. Say Flowers is really the only threat on the receiving side, especially not having Mark Andrews as well that first game. Uh, he's still questionable for this game. And then Cincinnati needs to play a lot better this week. They need to prove why they are Super Bowl contenders because last week's loss to the Browns was very sad and uh, very def- uh, def- de- uh, sorry, very deflating Uh to the fans and the fan base as a whole, be able to just watch that game and that loss, how bad it was. Yeah. So for my game of the week, it's going to be the Seahawks and the lions. This one's a bit of an interesting one. It's maybe a barn burner as far as, you know, kind of reaching out for a Seahawks lions game for my game of the week, but looking at it, I mean, it's in Detroit. We obviously know what Detroit's been able to do against the chiefs and uh, what they've been able to do so far this, you know, last couple games really, Looking at, you know, the Seahawks, for example, the Seahawks just got crushed by the Rams. And so going into this week, I think it's going to be kind of a conflicting interest battle. I think it's going to be a team like the Lions that are extremely hot and a team that is struggling like the Seahawks and how those two are going to coincide with one another. 
In my opinion, both teams primarily are focused on their defense. I know their offenses are pretty good as well, but this is going to be a defensive battle. This is going to be a high, not a high scoring game, a low scoring game with high intent. There's going to be quarterbacks like Jared Goff and Geno Smith, who aren't the biggest fantasy quarterbacks, but are quarterbacks that can do a job and get it done. And that's one of the things that I think is going to be huge in this game to look out for. It's going to be a great running back combination with the two guys obviously Jameer Gibbs David Montgomery Kenneth Walker Zach Charbonnet and two solid quarterbacks with some uh, young wide receivers as well so I think it's going to be a very intriguing matchup I think it's going to be a game that's going to be a lot closer and really excited to see Lions fans I mean their last two games have been on the road and they've won both of them so how Lions fans are going to be able to respond and react to you know Seahawks and Lions face off here it should be face off in a really good game I do have the Lions winning this one though like 17 to 14 I think both defenses play very good, but I do think that the Lions come away with the win. Uh, what is your two other games to look out for? So my two other games to look out for, first is going to be Chiefs and Jags. Uh, the Chiefs need a bounce-back game. We're going to see them with Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey now, uh, two key pieces on one defense side and offensive side, uh, both game changers there, and especially on the offensive side. I mean, it was pretty bad, uh, the wide receiver play as a whole. I mean, you mentioned – Sky Moore and it was Tony both combined for one catch, one yard. Tony's the reason why there is that pick six. Uh, that's going to be a game for the Chiefs that they need to bounce back there, uh, be able to get uh, going. And the Jaguars, they didn't have the worst game, but they also didn't have the best game. I mean, T-Law, I believe, had two interceptions uh, in last game against the Colts. Now the Chiefs defense probably is around the same level as the Colts. You could argue Colts may be a little better all around. Uh, but the front seven's a little, a little bit better there for the Chiefs, in my opinion, uh, as a whole. But the Jaguars, again, they need more convincing. It was really like Calvin Ridley on the offensive side also, and then also ETN towards the end of the game. I believe he had a big rush, uh, rushing touchdown at the end of the game. But, yeah, we got to see a little bit of everything uh, in that Jags game. But the Chiefs need to come out and play better, and T-Law needs to play better as a whole. My next one was your – uh, game of the week, Lions Seahawks. You already went over it. I think it's going to be a really good game. Seahawks need to bounce back after that loss, and then we need to see the Lions uh, play. I mean, they've been playing great. They've been playing like they're the villain of the league, according to CJ uh, Gardner Johnson, the villains of the league. So, I mean, I'd like to see that story. I mean, it's been pretty fun to watch so far. So, my first game to watch out for is going to be the Chiefs and Jags. You had talked about that one. This one's very interesting. You know, obviously, the Jags. Last week, I didn't think they played as good as they really did. I mean, I don't know. For some reason, like the Jags, I'm still kind of waiting to buy the hype on. Calvin Ridley, Ridley obviously did good. T-Law did good. And, I mean, it's, it's what did you expect out of a Jags team. But for me, I don't know. I just feel like they're missing something. I could just be tripping. Maybe I just feel like I'm just a hater, and that, that could be it as well. But for some reason, there's something that's just missing with this Jaguars team. They have a good defense, a good young defense, which is something that you know, I think the Chiefs might struggle with a little bit. Now, granted, everyone was dropping balls for the Chiefs, but the Lions are a very young defense as well, and they were able to have success against the Chiefs. So that's one of the things that does concern me in this one. But again, it's going to be an interesting battle. How do the Chiefs respond after this week? You know, or last week, I should say. Do they respond in a positive manner? Do they come into town, take care of business, and win 40-13? to 13? Or do they lose to the Jaguars 26-24 to 24 or something like that? How they respond is going to shape how they you know, see themselves moving forward in the season. And that's something that I think is going to be huge motivation for them. They obviously don't want to lose again, especially on the road. It would not be good. And for defending champs, I mean, we saw with the Rams, you know, not last year, but when they won the Super Bowl, 
had a really down year, and the Chiefs have already done it again. So you know, you're not expecting them to have you know first time kind of bloom right there, but it is definitely something to watch. So it should be a good low scoring battle. I do have the Chiefs winning this one on the road, twenty to sixteen. I think it's a good win for the Chiefs, a low scoring affair, and just kind of waiting to get that offense clicking for them. And then second, I'm going to go with the Browns at the Steelers on Monday Night Football. This is, again, an interesting battle for a couple of reasons. One, it kind of relates the point I had with the Seahawks and the Lions. Two completely different weeks. The Steelers got crushed at home by the 49ers. The Browns crushed the Bengals at home or on the road, um, you know, with how uh, you know good they played against the Bengals. And going into this week, this is something that's really concerning for me. I want to see, you know, them have success, and I want to see – the Steelers find a way to get it done, but I just don't believe it's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, I think the Steelers at home, they didn't look great. Their offense looked terrible. Kenny Pickett at, what, one yard the first half or something ridiculous like that? Najee Harris couldn't run through a hole if he wanted to. It was disaster. And the Browns, I mean, yeah, they granted you got to face the Bengals in the week that they're terrible, but, I mean, there's a lot of good things on that Browns team as far as their wide receivers, running backs, Deshaun Watson, their defense, there's lots of positive things here. So I think the Browns are going to win there on the road, but should be an interesting battle. Monday Night Football is always weird, especially these interdivisional rival games. They're always usually contested. And the Browns and Steelers have had a heavy history together. So I think this one's going to be contested as well. Probably get chippy every now and then. We all remember Browns-Steelers when Mason Rudolph got slammed by a helmet with uh, Miles Garrett on the opposite side. So it should be fun, should be exciting, should be a good couple of games this week in the NFL. All right, go ahead and give me your lock of the week. So for my lock of the week, I have the Chargers over the Titans. I think the Chargers played a pretty good game, and Herbert wasn't the big factor in that game against the Dolphins. They could run out at will against the Dolphins. Uh, The Chargers team, both Eckler and Joshua Kelly, both had great games. And that was one of the uh, points that the Saints couldn't do against the Titans. They only really had Jamal Williams. But now they have a... they have those two in Eckler and uh, Joshua Kelly that they can both go to in the running game, plus the weapons you already have. Gwen Johnston wasn't really a factor. I think he had one catch for five yards. He and Allen didn't have a bad game, but I think Herbert had maybe right, right around 200 yards. He didn't throw a whole lot compared to Tua in that, in that last game. I think the Chargers and be able to watch this Titans defense. The Titans defense couldn't handle uh, a first game back, Michael Thomas, and second year first game. Uh, Chris Olave, they both had really good games, but now they're now they're going against Keenan Allen, who had a decent game, a be- much better running game with a lot better re- receiving back, uh, running back in Eckler. Jamal Williams wasn't didn't see much time in the receiving game, and a better quarterback in Justin Herbert. I think this Titans defense now they played a lot better than I thought they would have, but I think this Titans defense isn't ready for this Chargers offense. I'm going to go with the 49ers at the Rams, and I'm going to go with the 49ers winning this game. Look, the Rams won against the Seahawks, kind of beat them pretty bad. 49ers obviously beat the Steelers pretty bad. It was just a disaster to watch, but this should be an easy win for the 49ers. Look, the Rams aren't that good. They kind of got a, a week one, I, want to, I don't want to say luck because that's not appropriate, but they did kind of get a little bit lucky there in week one against the Seahawks. You see some weird teams win some games um, in week one, some teams that are terrible end up going like 3-14 and 14 throughout the season. That's why I don't really buy in too much for week one in the NFL and fantasy. Going into this week, I mean, the 49ers offense was clicking so well. It was actually pretty cool to watch just how they were able to, you know, utilize everything. I felt like Debo was so quiet. Same with George Kittle. George Kittle had three receptions for 19 yards, and their offense was insane. Thanks to Ayuk, 
McCaffrey, Purdy, and the offensive line. And so I think this is going to be a blowout. I really do. I think the 49ers just exposed the Rams' defense. The Seahawks' offense did a terrible job of doing that. And there's just no reason, in my opinion, why the 49ers can't win by at least 15-20 in this game. Okay, what about your upset of the week? So my upset of the week, I have the Jets beating the Cowboys. I think Zach Wilson's going to do it. He's going to take that uh, side of him where he kind of got chipped on his shoulder. I mean, they he thought that him being that top pick, he thought maybe this was going to be the year. He got Garrett Wilson. He didn't play all last year. He got Brees Hall coming into this year, and then they go get Aaron Rodgers. Now Aaron Rodgers is out, and I think – Zach Wilson's going to play a lot better with, uh, with a chip on shoulder. Now, this could completely backfire, and this could be like the Cowboys-Giants game where the Cowboys completely just shut him out. But I think the Jets' defense is legit. I mean, they were able to do, have three picks against Josh Allen, and none of them was from Sauce Gardner. I mean, they, bar- they, uh, they barely target uh, – they barely tired Stephon Diggs towards the end of the game, it felt like. Uh, early on in the game, he had he was solid. Uh, but I think the Jets are probably going to be able to shut down CD for the most part, not have him have a big game. And if they're able to stop Tony Pollard, Pollard had a huge game against the Giants. So if you're able to stop those guys and make Dak Prescott have to beat you in the Jets' defense as good as it is, I think Zach Wilson, if he's able to play at least uh, well enough as be a game manager, there's a chance that the Jets could pull this off. And I, this is my big, big, my biggest big set upset of the week yeah great minds think alike and going the same way jets over the cowboys look we see a lot of weird stuff go down the jets seem to be i don't want to see they felt like their season was over when aaron Rodgers went down in like the first 75 seconds as you said but they're like well great now we got to go back to zach wilson and to be fair i think the jets just now granted if if aaron Rodgers comes into your front office and wants to be there yeah you said Zach Wilson, especially since he's 23. But I did feel like they kind of pulled the trigger on Zach Wilson a little too soon. I think there's a lot of potential for him. Did he look great yesterday or last week, I should say? No. Is there a lot of area for improvement with him? I do believe so. I mean, you know, he's one of those guys that can be so great, and that's one of the reasons why they've just held on to him, basically. And going into this week and really even this season at the moment, look, he got benched, and, you know, whenever you get benched like that, we saw it with Mitchell Trubisky, for example. You find a way to get an opportunity again. And Zach Wilson, at the young age that he's at, you know, has a chip on his shoulder. He he got benched. I mean, as, as Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers on your team, you're gonna get benched no matter what. But you know, he got benched, got a little bit of humble pie, and realized, okay, I got to be better. And he was able to learn under Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Granted, is he the same quarterback as Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely not. But can he learn a lot of things from Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. And even now that Aaron Rodgers is injured, look, this Jets team still has aspirations of making it to the Super Bowl. So I think Zach Wilson's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be tremendous. I think he's going to be fine. Fine enough to win a starting job somewhere. It reminds me a lot of Baker Mayfield, um, just by the way you know he plays and kind of the way, you know, obviously a little shorter than him, but just kind of his swagger and his style. And like I said, he's still really young, a lot of time to grow and develop. And he's got to use this year as an opportunity, but also he's got to help the Jets you know, move forward. And then with the Cowboys, yeah, they won 40-0 to last week, but that was just a, that was a fluke. I mean, Cowboys aren't a 40-0 to win game every single week. And granted, their offense hardly did shit. I mean, their defense had like four defensive touchdowns. It was ridiculous. It was like the easiest thing in the world. No wonder why he went 40-0. to Now they're going up against a Jets team who just shut down Josh Allen, got four takeaways from him, was way better than Dak Prescott. This Jets defense is extremely underrated. And as far as this matchup's concerned, I think the Jets have a far better chance of having success. I believe the last time I looked at it, the spread was nine. 
if you're seeing the spread nine between a Jets Cowboys matchup where two offenses definitely struggle, I'm definitely clicking on that. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for the Jets to go into Dallas, give them a little bit of some humble pie, and start two and zero in the year. And then a lot of people are going to be talking about the Jets moving forward, just like they're talking about the Colorado Buffaloes in college football. I think the Jets are back, baby. Zach Wilson's back, so we'll see. All right, let's go ahead and move into the fantasy portion. Go ahead and give me your two must-starts for this week. So my two must-starts, I think they're going to have another big game in CMC against the Rams. Uh, The Seahawks against the Rams last week, they rushed a lot. I mean, I think between uh, all the running backs, there's a good amount of rush teams. I want to say it was like 25, uh, and they really shut shut down Geno Smith, it felt like, as a whole. It didn't seem like they – uh, were able to pass as much and now you have cmc in this offense i think that they're going to try to feed him early especially fantasy wise in the passing game i think that uh there's going to be a lot of passing early on i think they're going to design cmc to kind of break off a big play i see him having probably two i don't know if he's going to have as many yards as he did last week i think combined he had a little bit over 200 or right around 200 i don't see that i see probably maybe closer to like 125 as a whole between the two, but that's also the, if you're in PPR, you're going to get those points. But I see him getting two touchdowns this week. I uh, either one receiving, one rushing, or two rushing there. My next one's going to be Najee Harris. I mean, last week I think he had eight total touches, two receptions, and eight rushing uh, eight rush attempts against this Niners defense. Which in, com- what, in comparison, I mean that Niners defense is great. It's going to be hard to be able to run the ball there. But I believe he averages something along the lines of like five over six yards per carry against that Niners defense in his six ru- his five rushes as it was. Now his receiving yards weren't the best. I mean I think he was two receptions for like two or three yards, something along those lines. So not great there, but he's gonna have a lot better matchup this week. It's gonna be a Monday uh, a Monday night game uh versus Cleveland. Cleveland's defense is good, but they aren't as good as the 49ers. And I think it's been a while since Najee's had a game where he's had only like 30-something yards. I think last year he averaged like a minimum between rushing and receiving. Uh, I want to say it was something along the lines of like 80. He averaged minimum. And I think that's going to be one of those games that they're going to want to bounce back, play a lot better, uh, especially for how big of, how big of the separation the score was, 37 last week, and another divisional game. This being a divisional game. At home with Pittsburgh, I mean, they're not going to want to lose games, especially at home. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are not going to be too happy with the team if the if the team as a whole, but also if they don't beat Najee, one of the best offensive players. So my first must start is going to be Jamal Williams at the Panthers, or versus the Panthers, excuse me, Monday Night Football. You know, last week only like three fantasy points, nothing too spectacular for Jamal Williams. It doesn't help that, uh, the Saints didn't score a touch. They didn't score a touchdown last week, did they? Right? Or am I tripping? I could not remember. There's so many field goals in that game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did not score a touchdown because I remember obviously seeing Jamal Williams is in the the red zone. And every time you got that fancy notification last year, if you were watching Jamal Williams, he was getting in the end zone, not the red zone, the end zone. And every time they got stuck up short, the the Saints and the Titans were going back and forth for seeing which field goal kicker could get more fantasy points. And what is Jamal Williams as far as a running back? He's a great running back. He loves football. He has fun doing it. You ever see his intros on Sunday Night Football? He also loves getting in the end zone. I know he didn't get in the end zone last week, but nobody did for the Saints. Going into this week, you know, against a division opponent like the Panthers, 
I think Jamal Williams gets into the end zone twice. I really do. I think, you know, the Saints don't go another really game without scoring a touchdown. I don't see that happening. And, yeah, Derek Carr, Michael Thomas, a lot of they could get in the end zone. Hell, even Taysom Hill, who knows. But I think Jamal Williams, it's going to be something like the, the Jalen Hurts game against the Vikings where they kept getting stuck on the one and Jalen Hurts kept running it in. I'm expecting two touchdowns from Jamal Williams, and that alone is 12 fantasy points. Plus, obviously, the yards he's going to get, maybe some catches in the backfield as well. So I think it's a definite must-start if you have Jamal Williams. I think you should be starting regardless. You have probably a week or two left until Kamara comes back, and then you maybe have to question the Jamal Williams. But even when Jamal Williams is you know, paired alongside Alvin Kamara, I think he's a good option just because of his uh, end zone capabilities. And I'm sticking with running backs here. I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook at the Cowboys – or at the Dallas Cowboys, excuse me. Look, I was having a discussion with one of my teammates today about Dalvin Cook, and I'm still really high on Dalvin Cook. I know a lot of people think he's washed, he's not as good. Brees Hall, you know, two rushes, 109 yards, his first two rushes, blah, 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 blah. Dalvin Cook, if he gets a good hole, pause, of course, he's going to be very efficient for the Jets. Look, especially with Aaron Rodgers, now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, but especially with Aaron Rodgers, the Jets had to focus on running the football. They obviously know that Zach Wilson isn't the best of passers when it comes to throwing footballs. So what are they going to do? They're going to run the football with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. I'd honestly make the argument that you could start both Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. And any given week, both of them could either be the best running back or the worst running back. Again, they could both average 12 points. Maybe Cook gets 20 and Brees gets 5 or whatever the situation is. But the bottom line is both the Jets running backs are going to be very successful, especially this week against the Cowboys. Cowboys team that gave up no points. They're not going to give up no points this week. I think, you know, the Jets, Cowboys have a good barn burner. I think Dalvin Cook gets in the end zone at least once. He's having the opportunities in the red zone, but uh, he just wasn't able to capitalize. That Jets team wasn't really able to capitalize as a whole. So, again, it's something that, you know, have to see and monitor as time goes on. But I'm really liking the Jets uh, running backs this week at Dallas. All right, what about your two must-sits? So, for my first must-sit, I have Matthew Stafford. Uh, Stafford still is not going to have Cooper Cup this week. And, yes, he had a lot of passing yards uh, last week against Seattle. He had 334. But you can uh, look at it. I don't think there was a passing touchdown, maybe one. Uh, but he didn't ha- – for passing yards, he put up a good amount. But, yeah, no zero passing touchdowns in that game. No rushing attack uh, from him himself. I mean – Going against this Niners defense, who's going to be much better than that Seahawks defense. I mean, they showed it last week. It's going to be hard to put up numbers, and there's a very good chance he doesn't put up 334 yards again. Now, is there a chance that he probably throws a touchdown compared to the zero he had last week? Yeah, there's a good chance of that, but I don't see him putting up a lot of fantasy points this week, especially against the Niners. There's a good chance he could get picked off once uh, or twice this week. And then my next one, I have Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones had a great week last week, like, he had a great week against the uh, Phillies, uh, or not Phillies, the Eagles. Uh, he had 316 yards. I think it was like two touchdowns, one interception. Overall, he had a really good game, uh, or a solid game as a whole for fantasy-wise. If you're in a deeper league, you wouldn't mind that. But I don't think Mac Jones is going to play that well against uh, Miami this week. I know, again, individual game, it's usually going to be a solid game, but we saw it last week with the Chargers, how good they were or how well they were able to run the ball uh, with Eckler and Kelly. I think that they're going to try to do that with uh, Ramondre and Zeke this week. They're going to be able to try to run a little bit more than pass. I mean, they couldn't get that running game going uh, in New England all of last week against uh, the Eagles. So I think with Miami, they're going to try to do that. They're going to try to do what the Chargers did 
And I don't think Mac Jones is going to be able to get uh, as many yards or touchdowns as he did. So my first one's going to be Geno Smith at the Lions. I talked about it earlier. I think it's going to be a good defensive battle between the Seahawks and the Lions. For me, Geno Smith obviously was not very good last week against the Lions. And Geno Smith as a whole is a good quarterback. He's consistent. He's just like Kirk Cousins. Um, But for me this week, I'm not a big fan of Geno Smith at all. I think the Lions defense is not going to necessarily be too much for him, but I don't think the Seahawks offense is going to be able to do enough. And even if they do do enough, it might be a situation where he passes for like 200 yards and like no touchdowns. So he has like 10 fantasy points and nothing too spectacular there. So that's one of the reasons why that I'm shying away from him. On top of that, I just don't trust the Seahawks receivers right now with, you know, Jackson Smith as well as DK and even Tyler Lockett for that matter. So I think it's more of a development thing for the Seahawks. I think they'll be good, um, you know, as the season goes on. But for now, I'm shying away from Geno, especially against that Lions C on the road, to men- not to mention. And then second, I'm going to go ahead and go with Drake London versus the Packers. Drake London, a career-high zero fantasy points last week, zero receptions. And I know I'm really high on Drake London this season, and I'm still high on Drake London this season. But a guy that gets zero receptions, zero points, I have to sit the next week. I was watching about the Falcons game, and they didn't even throw it to any wide receivers. They were just, Desmond Ritter was just throwing the ball to B. John Robinson, which I understand B. John Robinson's B. John Robinson. I'm pretty sure, like, the first half, there was two receptions to the wide receiver. It was Zach Elias, not even Bijan. Kyle Pitts had two receptions as well. What in the hell is Desmond Ritter doing that he is not throwing to his two best options on the offensive side, in De- uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts? I think you got to give Drake London time. He's a guy that reminds me a lot of Cam Akers, where you know, maybe the week 13, 14, 15, he decides to just come alive. I don't think it'll be that, that long. I'm just kind of over-exaggerating there. But you get my point. I'm frustrated. I had him in my league, and I lost. By like four points because Drake London could not catch one or two passes. It's not his fault either. It's just the Falcons' offense is just so oriented on Desmond Ritter and I guess their running backs, which they have a kind of weird collection of good running backs. But still, figure it out. Let's go. So I'm I'm sitting Drake London this week. I, I just I can't do it. I can't put myself to doing it. I'm always one of those guys too that I think if they have a bad week, they're gonna have a good week. But man, the production there that that he got was just horrendous. And going up against the Packers, who I think it's going to be one of those low-scoring games, I just don't think it's a good combination at all. What about your two sleepers? So for my first sleeper, I have George Pickens this week. Uh, now he's not going against the Niners' defense. Uh, he's going to be going against uh, a weaker defense. Of the Niners not a bad defense, but it's going to be Cleveland uh, over the 49ers this week. Uh, Pickens also... Uh, isn't going to have Deontay Johnson. I believe he had a, it was a hamstring injury. He went down with him the game, and I believe he's still uh, either questionable or there's a very good chance he is going to play uh, this week. And last week uh, against the Niners, he had seven targets, five catches, 36 yards. Calvin Austin had six receptions, six touchdowns. Allen Robinson got a lot of targets and eight, led the team with five receptions. Deontay Johnson had six targets, three catches, 49 yards. Uh, just going off of that, I mean, take away six targets right there from Deontay Johnson. There's a very good chance Calvin Austin doesn't get another six receptions for six yards, or six targets with six receptions. And there's a good chance that Allen Robinson isn't going to get another eight-target game. And I think Pickens is obviously the most talented re- wide receiver on this roster, and I think Pickett's going to try to target him a little bit more, especially if Austin uh, Johnson. Deontay Johnson not being there. Allen Robinson got a lot of those catches and yards uh, towards the end of the game when they needed to throw when they were down by so much. 
Uh, same with Calvin Austin. He was more of just in the middle of the field. I think Pickens this week has a good chance to have a lot of targets, a lot of receptions, and be the number one uh, option there. And my next one's going to be Joshua Kelly against Tennessee. I mean, we saw uh, he had a really good week last week. Uh, him and Eckler, both in the backfield, were able to run all over Miami's defense. Uh, but I think this week, he's not good. he may not have another game where they both ha- where both Eckler and him have uh, a lot of yards like I did, 91 and 117. Uh, I think Kel- Kelly and Eckler both had 16 rush attempts each. Uh, Kelly also saw a little, didn't re- sorry, he didn't see any time in the receiving game. And I think that they're going to try to want to give Eckler a little bit more uh, rest this game in uh, the amount that where he had 16 carries. He also had uh, four catches, so 20 total uh, times he touched the ball. I think Kelly, he may not have another 91-yard game, uh, but I could see him getting around 60 yards this game and another touchdown. There's a very good chance that he's he'll probably be more of a flex play here, but I think for being a sleeper, there's a good chance that, especially if they go up early, they don't want to get Eckler injured. He got injured, I think, was towards the end of last year or two years ago. I don't think that they're going to want to try to risk any of that. So Kelly's going to be the next option up there. So my first one, again, it's going to be Sam LaPorta versus the Seahawks. I'm going to keep calling him a sleeper until people start talking about him. In his first game yesterday, or I keep saying yesterday. You guys know what I mean. Last week, whatever. Same thing, mono a mono, tomato a tomato. Look, Sam LaPorta was really good. For where he was at, I you know I said he was a sleeper in my Thursday night special. I stick by that. Going into this week, again, I think it's going to be smash-mouth football between the Lions and the Seahawks. And typically in their smash-mouth football, there's a lot of running. But more than that, there's also a lot of tight end play. I think Sam Laporta is on pace this game to get maybe five, six receptions, maybe get some 30, 40 yards. I also think he's going to get a touchdown too, which is one of the reasons why I think his value is going to skyrocket. So going into this week, that's one of the reasons why I do like him. I think there's a lot of success against Seahawks, potentially. I think you could also make the case with like the Seahawks tight end, like Noah Fan, etc. But I do believe uh, that Laporte is going to be very efficient there this week. And then, <laughs> this is a sleeper sleeper. Sky Moore at the Jags. Look, again, maybe I'm just going like berserk right now. But I think Sky Moore has got an extremely favorable matchup against the Jags. Nobody's talking about him. And respectively so. He was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Going into this week, however, I think he's got a lot of opportunity to grow. I think he's got a lot of opportunity to get the ball a lot. Look, they're going to feed Travis Kelsey. But there's also going to be a lot of attention on Travis Kelsey. So they got to feed other guys as well. And Sam or Sky Moore, excuse me, is one of those guys that they're going to be feeding. So uh, he's a sleeper of sleepers. A lot of people are probably sleeping when you hear the name Sky Moore as a sleeper. But if you want to have some fun, put him in your flex position. He's a guy that's either going to get you three points or 30. And if he gives you 30, you can say, I told you so. If he gives you three, you can say that AJ told you so. All right, go ahead and give me your two busts. So for my first bust, I have uh, Tyler Lockett. Last week against the Rams, uh, he didn't have uh, a good game there. He only had four targets, two catches, 10 yards. I mean, granted, no other wide receivers had a great game outside Metcalf. Uh who did get the singular touchdown that was thrown 47 yards on three catches. The Lockett's kind of going into the shadows now. I mean, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba had five targets. Uh, DJ Dallas had one catch for more yards. Will Disley had uh, two targets. Kenneth Walker had five targets. I mean, he had more targets than Tyler Lockett did and more and double amount of the catches there. I think Lockett going against, 
uh, sorry, Lockett go, going against this Lions defense is going to be good. I think whenever I think about Tyler Lockett, I think that I always think of him as a slot wide receiver. And I know uh, CJ Gardner Johnson is more of that slot cornerback. Uh, so there's a good chance CJ could be all over him this game. Uh, especially it's going to be one of those games. I think the, the stars are really going to have to shine out here. If, it, if there's going to be a big impact in this game, I think it's going to be more of a ground and pound uh, game. I plus this defense is a lot better than the defense that they saw in the Rams. And we saw him do absolutely nothing against the Rams defense. My next one's going to be Juju Smith Schuster. Now I get it. You got, they just went against uh, the Eagles, probably one of the best defenses in the league, probably second behind the 49ers, but he did absolutely nothing. Yeah. He had the volume there. He had seven targets, four catches, 33 yards, but you know who also had seven targets? Ezekiel Elliott out of the backfield. Backfield. Demario Douglas had seven targets. Kendrick Bourne had six. Hunter Henry had seven. Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson had six. Kasicki had three. Ty Montgomery had three. I mean, Juju again, four catches, thirty-three yards. Was it seven point three yards if you're in a PPR? Three point three if you're in a non-PPR league. I mean, those are just bad numbers either way. Uh, I don't see. Uh, Juju doing anything again this game plus they're probably not going to have to throw as much uh, they're, they're going to probably take a book out a page out of the book of uh, who just played them uh, they're going to have to they're going to try to run the ball like the Chargers I mean I feel like uh, Zeke and Ramondre both have, gonna have a lot more carries they're not gonna, or Mac Jones isn't going to have 54 pass attempts as he did last week I mean, there's a good chance he probably has 35 pass attempts, which is how many completions he had last week. Uh, there's a lot, There's probably going to be a lot more running. I don't think Juju's going to have a big game. If he does have a big game, it's literally going to come off of one play. It's going to be like a 60-yard touchdown. That's the only way I see Juju having any sort of a good game here. So my first one's going to be OBJ at the Bengals. Look, I haven't liked OBJ since he got with the Ravens. And again, not like it's anything – where I'm just like, man, OBJ sucks, OBJ is injured, he's not the same mode OBJ, we all know that. But the Ravens' offense, although they won, they won 22 to 9, they looked terrible. I mean, they looked horrendously bad. And, you know, going up against a team like the Bengals, who looked also horrendously bad, I just don't see an area, really, where they have, OBJ has success. I mean, yeah, Lamar maybe feeds it to him a little bit, but I don't even trust Lamar against this Bengals defense. I mean, the Ravens, I feel like, have more internally issues going on than uh, it's really showing right now, and not necessarily internally, like, you know, insider information or general manager stuff. I just think this Ravens team is far from where they need to be. And for me, OBJ is just not a guy that I'm putting in my fantasy lineup with how bad that the Ravens team looks to me and how bad this Ravens team, I guess, it's going to scare me moving forward. Second, I'm going to go with Tyler Higby versus the 49ers. Yeah, he had an all right week for a tight end last week, sure. But he also was playing against the Seahawks, kind of had a fluky week. Now he's playing against the 49ers. And I don't think that the Rams are going to have good offensive production this week. So what makes me think that I think Tyler Higby is going to have good offensive production this week? I just don't see it happening. I think he's a guy that, yeah, maybe you start your fantasy teams, but you're going to be sadly disappointed. I wouldn't be surprised if he has less than five, six points. And maybe that's a little high or maybe a little low for your standards at tight end, but I'm avoiding him. I was trying to avoid him the entire season last year, and I ended up sticking with him, and it ended up cut, biting me in the ass. So I just don't think this week against the 49ers is a favorable matchup. But if he's really your only tight end option, he's doable. I mean, there's not many options for 
Stafford to throw the ball to with Cooper Cup out and just all the question marks they have with their, their wide receiver core. So I'm avoiding him as much as possible. I think he's going to let your fantasy teams down. Like he let mine down. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Huston, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.